I'm just reading out of uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 this morning. I just want to read through, uh, and then we'll get into it. And the title of this message is called Defining Neighbor. Just then a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Mate, isn't that a question, right? What do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Then, looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define your neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him, and went off leaving him half dead. But luckily, there was a priest who was on the way down the road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. But then again, a Levite religious man showed up as well, and he also avoided the injured man. Then a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him up onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bull. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became the neighbor to the men attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. Jesus said, go and do the same. Well, look, leading into the story of, of the, uh, the Good Samaritan, many of you may have heard it before, maybe you haven't, maybe it's your first time in church, I don't know. But it's, it's, a, it's a great story, and uh, there's some great truths within it. And we see in the start of chapter uh, 10 that Jesus actually starts when he commissions 70 disciples. So this guy had a big posse. Man, he had a crew, he had a gang running with him at this stage. 70 people he commissioned and said, go out. And he said some interesting things. He basically said, go out, but look into the harvest because the fields are white. This is what he said at the, start of, at the start of chapter 10. He said, the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers. And then he said, go out, amongst, go out like lambs amongst, amongst wolves, like a little bit like a choir before an army, you know, I don't know if you know the story of Jehoshaphat when invaders were coming in and they all sought God, then a prophet stood up and said, um, don't worry, God's going to give you the victory. Then Jehoshaphat had this great idea of sending the choir out before the army when this invading army was coming in. And uh, anyone ever wanted to be in a choir? You wouldn't have wanted to at that stage, I tell you that. Um, but this is a little bit what he's saying. He's saying, you're going out amongst the wolves. You know what I mean? People aren't nice out there. You know, there are some nice people, don't get me wrong. But uh, it can be quite a, a rugged place in the world, right? So he said this to these 70 guys. Um, he said, don't be distracted at the task at hand. He said, when you're on the road, don't be distracted. Go to a city. Go to a house. And then 
and, and take your peace into that household. If they don't accept it, then go to the next household. And, uh, and, and he said some really interesting things. He said, um, if they accept it, release peace. In other words, you're bringing the peace because you're representing Jesus Christ into this household. And then he said this lovely thing. He said, heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you. And I love that. Look, we're about healing the sick. You know, this is one of the primary ministries of us as, as, as a Christian. We're not here just to uh, present great oratory and tell great stories, although we should be good storytellers because we've got the best story to tell in the world, right? I mean, we've got the story, of, the story of salvation. We've got the story of hope. In the midst of despair and heartbreak, man, I mean, the story of Jesus Christ is the most captivating story you could ever read in the face of the planet. Uh, so, yeah, so he said this great thing about healing the sick. Then in verse 16, he said, he who hears me, sorry, I'm running quite fast because I've got a bit to say today, and I do talk quite fast, so hopefully you can, you're following me, all right? And, uh, you know, the problem is when you only get up here once a month or so, you're just compressed, man, you're like a spring ready to burst, you know what I mean? Like, it gets a bit out of control in my head, I don't know if you guys are like this, but in, in my head it's that way. So Luke 10, 16, he said, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. I mean, it's an incredible thought that we are ambassadors of the Most High God. Second Corinthians, it says that. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You know, an, an ambassador is not a lightweight. An ambassador is not someone behind the scenes. An ambassador comes with some respect, comes with some dignity, comes with some swag. Man, when an ambassador walks in the room, he's walking like this, unless he's the Russian ambassador at the moment, of course. He's probably getting things thrown at him and things like that. But, you know, an ambassador comes and says, yeah, man, I'm the ambassador of New Zealand. Check it out. If they're American, they might say, where's New Zealand? Is that somewhere near Australia? You know, don't know if you've had that before, but... Uh, um, so, you know, there's some swag, you know, associated... You know, when, when God commissions, he empowers, you know. God doesn't leave us disempowered. You may be feeling disempowered in your situation, but that's not the truth. You're believing some sort of lie or some story or some narrative that's incorrect because that's not what the Bible says. God is a God of empowerment. He is a God of fulfillment. He is a God of joy. He's the father of lights, James says in whom there is no shadow of turning. In other words, when he says something, it's pure love, pure life, it's pure faith, and that's the realm we have to live in. Now, we may not feel that way a lot of the time because we're mere humans, right, and we go through stuff. People die, you know, sickness comes, there's wars, there's disease, you know, there's, there's breakups, there's all of these things that we're fighting with, maybe losing jobs, but God is above all that. That is a temporary situation. It's a little snapshot, you know, in a movie, you know, a three-hour movie. It's a little, one frame of that is, is what's going on at that situation. And God's above all of that. So we see these 70 go out. They have this tremendous experience. People were being healed, and they, they were just buzzing. Not only that, but they were casting out demons. You know, they were casting out spirits, you know, these demonic spirits out of people's lives. Now, I don't know about you, but when you start to see the power of God manifest, it's pretty exciting. I mean, you're usually not sitting there going, oh, guess what, guess what happened? You know, guess what happened? You're going, flipping, guess what? 
guess what happened to me today? You know, I mean, you're buzzing about it, right? When you see the miraculous take place in whatever form it is, you get excited about that thing. You can't contain it because you've experienced something of the presence. You've ex- experienced something of the power of heaven coming into that situation. And that's an incredible thing. So the, so the 70, it says in there in verse uh, 17 that they returned with joy. And they said about, they were casting out demons. and They got all exciting. And, uh, and Jesus said to them, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Very famous scripture. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall harm you. But then he said this, nevertheless, don't rejoice about all of this stuff, but rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Because the ultimate goal, as we know, is salvation. The ultimate goal is actually making it to heaven, right? Like sometimes we think we're hanging on by the skin of our teeth, man, but we're, we're going there, right? We're just going to hang on. You know, sometimes it seems like, am I even walking for God today? You know, what's going on in my life? You know, I thought I was a Christian. Then I reacted this way or did that to someone or said something or thought some thought. But guess what? We're going to heaven. That's where our ultimate destination is. But, it, but look, heaven is also here, just like happened to these seven, 70 dis, um, disciples that went out. When people were healed, when lives were touched, when the peace of God came into households, that meant that the presence, the very presence of heaven was right there on earth. Hence the prayer Jesus gave to the disciples, right? Thy kingdom come on as it is in heaven. I mean, you know, we're heaven bringers. That's our role in life. You know, when we walk into a situation, we are bringing God. Whether we feel it or not, if there's, it doesn't matter if we feel it, we are actually bringing the presence of God into that situation. Now, the, the choice then is if we want to manifest that, right? If we want to manifest God in that situation is really in our space at that time. But we're bringing the presence of God, right? The same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, well, we're talking about some flipping power there, aren't we? You know, we're talking resurrection power, people. You know, the power that blew that stone out of the front of the tomb and rose Jesus from the dead. I mean, that's some incredible power there. I mean, I've never seen a person raised from the dead. I've heard stories about it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've seen some pretty miraculous stuff happen over the years, but that would... I'd probably run out of the room, man, if I was praying for someone. They came, <laughs> I'd run out, then come back in. Are they really alive? I'm just dreaming, you know. Um, so anyway, he said, "Rejoice, because your names are written in heaven." And the, the interesting thing is here, Jesus starts to rejoice. You know, does God get excited? Well, He definitely does, because we see it right here. Jesus, and He would be like you imagine training up. He, like if there's 70 that were sent out, maybe, I don't know, maybe the retinue was 250, maybe there's a couple of hundred thousand followers. I don't know how many people were following Jesus at this stage, but there was a lot going on, right? You know, the blind scene, the dead being raised. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I'm telling you, if that was happening in New Zealand right now, do you think there'd be a lot of people sort of looking into it? And You better betcha. There'd be every news place, and they wouldn't care about any other news. They'd just be in there following you because they'd think, what's going on here? I heard someone got raised from the dead. I can't believe it. Is this even possible? All the scientists would be in there trying to work it out. Blah, 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 blah. You know, their brains would be frying and smoke would be coming out the top because they can't get their head around how this is humanly possible, you know, because it's not. It's not humanly possible. It's, it's God possible, right? It's the kingdom of heaven visiting earth. So Jesus rejoices, it says, and he thanks the Father in heaven. 
I love that. I love that thought that Jesus rejoiced in it. And you know, his main, his, his joy came out of the fact that people experienced not only him, they had a revelation of who Jesus was, but also the Father in heaven. That was his joy. And it is a tremendous joy when someone finds Jesus Christ. I mean, when I found Jesus Christ back many years ago, man, it was amazing. You know, I went from a pretty depressed, insecure sort of guy. Uh, You know, and I was still a bit depressed now and then and a bit insecure, but I just grew in faith, grew in confidence. You know, to the point where I remember remember meeting this girl from school one time. We went out, I got invited out to a bar in town, actually, in Hood Street. And uh, and I was down there and... um, Anyway, I hadn't met this girl for ages, and she was the hottest chick in school. I mean, you know, she was beautiful, sensational, a model. Even now, she looks absolutely incredible for her age. She's 50, 52. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was you know, a bit insecure in those days, like most teenage boys, that, you know, your foot's more in your mouth than anywhere else, right? You know, <laughs> you think you know it all, but you know very little. And, uh, and uh, you know, just, just this insecurity, you know. And she, she met me at this, like, there's a big group of us. And, and, and I remember her coming up to me and saying, Elliot, I can't believe how confident you are now. <laughs> Listen, I was thinking, man, I must have been really unconfident at school for her to say that. Eh? It was hilarious. But that's, that's what Jesus was excited about because he knew that people would have a revelation of the Father. And when they had a revelation of the Father and who he was, guess what? Faith comes into your spirit, right? You know, something rises up on the inside. People are saying, ah, oh, there's no such thing as God. People are living a lifestyle, however they want, drugs, alcohol, partying, you know, maybe just, you know, an academic just trying to drag down the, the things, you know, trying to argue that, hey, there is no God. Maybe someone just harassing you. Oh, I don't believe in that. Nah, it's just all fairy tales and fable. I mean, we all know that we hear this type of stuff, right? You talk about God in the workplace you know, you get one of two sort of uh, reactions usually. It's sort of like, oh, and then they sort of walk away. <laughs> or, or maybe, hey, they might engage a bit. Or they may just say, ah, oh, well, oh, I don't believe in any of that. Oh, no, there's no such thing in that. You know, it's just those little seeds, eh? Those little seeds that people will say because they haven't had a revelation of the Father. They haven't had a revelation of Jesus. And that's why Jesus was excited because we all know when you have a revelation of who he is, that empowers you to rise up with confidence and faith, right? I mean, it empowers you to live a Christian life. We were never meant to sort of just get by as Christians. I mean, that's not in the Bible. I don't see any of that anywhere. If you can show me, please show me. It's not about getting by. It's about living a life of victory. It's about living above the circumstances. It's not denying that the circumstances are there, but it's living above the circumstances. It's living in that faith realm, right? You know, it's like the whole, uh, you know, inoculation thing, you know, like, some people, oh, I don't want to get it. Some, and I just say, look, man, whatever your decision is, just do it in faith, brother, and I'll back you. Because that is what it's about, right? I mean, whether we agree or not, everyone's an individual and they can do what they want to do, right? And just as we come to God, everyone is an individual. We stand, you know, we stand individually before God when we go to heaven, but we might be, ju- be judged generationally as well, but not in a negative way, just for, hey, what you've done and what you haven't done. So I know I'm powering along here. Are you with me? You keeping up? I'm a little bit pumped. I was up to about 12.30 trying to do some stuff from the slides and, you know, it was all a bit out of control. Then I was thinking, what am I even going to talk about today, you know? Does anyone like that before they get up on stage or do a demonstration? Yeah. yeah, it's like that. Eh? It's chaotic, isn't it? And then you get up, then you've got too many notes and you think, flip, when am I going to chop out of this? What's all that about? 
Then you get notifications about, you know, the black caps playing or something on your... <laughs> it's all happening up here, let me tell you. All right. Uh, <clears throat> so, let's get into this. So this religious scholar, this is really what I want to talk about today. Luke chapter 10, verse 20, 25. Then a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? You know, the incredible thing is I've found, and I'm sure you have too, is when you have an experience with God, the test will always come, right? Immediately after this incredible event of the 70 going out, demons being cast out, people being healed, people finding the kingdom, experiencing God, straight after it, this religious scholar, some versions call him a lawyer, he stands up to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And can I encourage you, when the test comes, the best thing you can do is speak scripture. Now, Jesus was clever here because he said, well, what do you think the law says? You know, Jesus went back to this religious scholar who obviously would have known it pretty damn well if he was running at that level. This guy was an academic. You know, this guy was highly intelligent. This guy was testing him because he's trying to find, a, find, you know, find an opening. And, uh, and Jesus pointed him straight back. You know, very good. You know, the politicians learn this too. You know, they never actually answer any question. They just ask a question. So how's, how are we going to address the economy? Well, I don't, you know, this, this, and that. How do you feel about the You know, almost every time you hear them say it, they never really say yes or no. They might have some vague sort of out there statements, but that, you know, it's, it's a good, good way of dealing with things. Like if people say to you, for example, I think this God thing is just a lot of rubbish. And say, well, what, why do you feel that way? And they, oh, they're not expecting that because most people go on oh, and just walk away with their tail between their legs, you know, not wanting to stand up, you know, a little bit ashamed maybe. And I've done that, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's easy to do, right, especially if there's a crowd. It's one thing if you're one-on-one, -on -one, right? But when you're in a crowd, maybe in the smoker room, there's 10 people around, someone asks a question, and you sort of try and divert, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I, like, I, I got past all of that stuff many years ago, you know. I just say, well, I'm doing a bit of preaching, a bit of teaching at church, and guess what? All of a sudden, they shut up because <laughs> they freak out. They probably think I'm going to start preaching at them, and they may be right. So anyway... He answered, what is written in God's law? How do, you, how do you interpret it? So when the test comes, always bring it back to the Holy Bible. He said uh, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and your prayer. This is the message, by the way, if you hadn't worked it out. It's quite an out there translation. Uh, you know, but it, it's great. It gives a different flavor. Um, that, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence. And that you love the neighbor, your neighbor sorry, as, as well as you do yourself. Jesus said, good answer, do it and you'll love, you'll live. Um, look, this, test, this, this scholar, you know, he said all the right words, you know, but you just sense there's no heart there. I don't know about you, if you've read the story, you may well have, but you sense this guy knows it. You know, he immediately answered, this wasn't something we, oh, well, I'll just have to get my Bible and work out what it says. You know, he said, you know, like, you know he knew it. The Jews were very, very accurate. You know, there's a reason why God chose them to, 
put things down on paper for the world because they were absolutely pedantic about writing. They didn't translate word by word. Jews don't translate word by word. They translate letter by letter. I mean, they are the best translators in the history of mankind. That's why God cho- That's part of the reason God chose them. Um, so this testing scholar, he said all the right things, but there was something missing. Uh, it's interesting in 2 Corinthians 3, 6a, um, it talks about that he's, God has enabled us as ministers of his new covenant. This is the covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. You know, some of the other versions would say the, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And this is what I'm talking about here. This guy had the answer, but it was the answer from the letter. You know, so Jesus, this is what I love about Jesus. He loves telling stories, and I like telling stories too. Uh, and we see here in, in verse, uh, just before, before Jesus kicks in, he, he's looking for a loophole, it says in here. He asked, and just how would you define your neighbor? I don't know if you can see this. I didn't, didn't even know this, actually, but I was just Googling something at about 12 o'clock last night to throw up something on the PowerPoint. <laughs> That's why it's rough as, because I'm not a good good on PowerPoint. I never use it. Elon Musk doesn't use it. He throws, he, he reckons he never uses it in any meetings. I think just churches use PowerPoints now, do they? I'm not sure. Anyway, but we can see this loophole. It's like a medieval castle, you know, and they had little slots in the castle, and that's where they shot the arrows out of. And that, that's literally where the, the word loophole comes from, um, which is quite interesting. You know, the, the original word, as it says up there, is arrow slit. And this, this lawyer, this highly intelligent academic, he, he's, he's, you know, let's put it this way, he's debating with Jesus. He's not just talking with him, he's debating with him. He's looking for this loophole, you know, some little crack in the wall, you know, some little something that can sort of pull down the argument, something that can expose that Jesus isn't the authentic thing. Jesus isn't the real thing. And I would guess too, because usually when people go that way, it's because it's beyond their understanding, you know? When it's beyond your understanding, it's a very scary place to go because you don't know what's going on. You know, you can't put God in a box and we were talking about the creator of the world, right? You know, we, if, if it's black and white, if you go into a church and they go, oh, we've got all the answers, it's a cult. Because, I mean, we have the answers in the Bible. We know all the themes. We know the, we know the main doctrines. But man, there's a lot of black and white in the Bible, right? You know, there's a lot of gray areas, you know? And that's why we've got to be led by the Spirit. We've got to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit to, that he can guide and, and, and use us and speak through us. So Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him, and went off, leaving him half dead. This is classic right here, isn't it? Like, there's a few things going on here, I see. Uh, to me, this is three signs, catch this, that the devil's at work or you're in the wrong place, all right? There's three things going on here. It's either the devil's at work, or you're in the wrong place. And my question to you is, what road are you traveling? Like we see first, this guy was by himself. Very dangerous to travel by yourself between Jericho and Jerusalem. I mean, it was, it was, it was notorious for robbers, you know? It was like, I used to live in South Auckland for quite a while, and, uh, you know, there were certain places, it, you know, you didn't actually walk down at night, you know, unless you wanted to you know, 
not, not come out the other end of the street. And that's not a slight on South Auckland. I used to live in Huntley, and they used to say that about that too. But actually, I used to walk everywhere at night. So uh, <laughs> you just got on with it, right? But, um, you know, it was a dangerous place in those days. They didn't have the cops running around in cars and, and uh, helping you out like they do these days. <clears throat> so we see this, this is classic. This is cla- to me, this is the classic John 10.10. 10. You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you've got elements of this type of stuff happening in your life, can I ask you, what road are you traveling? What, what's going on? You know, because it can be a sign, hey, you're going the right way. You know, there's forces against you. It can be a sign that, hey, you're just going the wrong way altogether. Um, maybe you've just decided, I want to go down there this way or that. I feel I want to go this way, but God's telling you to go this way. You know, this whole Jonah thing, right? You know, God says go to Nineveh, and he's trying to go the other way, right? So he caused the storm, boat almost sunk, he got carried by a fish, which is an incredible story. I mean, if I'm Jonah, I'd rather that be written than actually just going and obeying the Lord in a way. Because <laughs> what a story, being swallowed by a fish and thrown up near Nineveh. Incredible. Anyway, I'm di- diverging here. So he was stripped. Clothing, land, possessions, dignity, reputation, friends, family. He was wounded, cut, bruised, bleeding out, left half dead. And then he was left alone, you know. These robbers left him alone. They just departed, right? So it was a, it was a challenging situation. But luckily, a priest turned up down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across the other side. I love this, eh? I love that statement. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen these do a bit of comedy, or I've I've done it myself, when you sort of walk up to someone with your hand out, and they go to put their hand out, then you walk the other way, and they're left hanging, you know, sort of. Or if you go to shake someone's hands, I'm sure it did it to ants or someone in here one day, and I went, oh, high five as he walked past after speaking, and he didn't see me. You're left hanging, right, you know? Um, This dude left the guy hanging. You know, he angled. And it's interesting in here because he said he saw. So he saw the situation. And it was a little bit like a, cl- a, a casual glance. I put down here, like, if you're looking at a girl as a guy, or maybe if you're a guy and you're looking at a girl, you know, you might just have that casual glance thinking, oh, is she all right? Oh, no, I don't like her. I'll go this way. Oh, she's all right, you know. Um, that sort of situation. It was just this cl- casual glance. And then he angled away, right? Likewise, the Levite, when he had arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So he got a little bit more involved. He came and looked. So he literally, he didn't just glance. He actually walked up and he actually got involved in the situation a little little bit. So it's like he went the next level, but not quite there. It was sort of a little bit, I don't know, I don't know if any of you guys have hitchhiked over the years. You know, when you, it's sort of, you don't see it too often. Yeah, there's a hitcher there. Yeah, cool. Um... You know, and, and I mean, we if we're ever in a group, we'd always put the girl out because very few people pick up a guy when they're hitchhiking, right? You know, and we'd all hide behind the bush and then someone would pull up and then we'd flip and all jump out and try and get in the back seat, you know? <laughs> oh, classic. The main thing is, is you don't have a good-looking girl that's trying to hitchhike and you're hiding behind the bush and then the person drives past and runs over the bush as he's distracted by the good-looking girl trying to hitchhike, right? <laughs> Well, that's not a true story, by the way, but it's just this came into my head last night. Um, <clears throat> so then we have the Samaritan traveling on the road. And he came, he, he came to him. Here we go. So he didn't, he didn't just sort of angle away, and, and he didn't just see and angle away. He didn't just come and look. But this Samaritan 
when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He saw he had compassion, he got to work. And we know the story. You know, he bound his wounds, he threw him on his donkey, and he got him to the inn. He paid, he looked after him, you know, and, and, and paid for the inn even when he left and said, look, I'll come back and cover any. I mean, what a man, this guy's awesome. You know, and a Samaritan, the people that the Jews hated. So Jesus right now is sort of, you know, he's sort of like, eh, take that, you Jewish scholar. You know, the lawyer that was trying to test him. He's now given it to him a bit because he's sort of saying, hey, this is a Samaritan that did this. You're here testing me, you know. So he was really trying to sort of, you know, stir him up a bit in this situation. So he treated him kindly. Uh, sorry, uh, so what do you think? Which of these three became the neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. Jesus said, go and do the same. Look, we need to catch this compassion, I believe, that the Samaritan had for other people. If there's going to be healing in this nation, I know we're on this woke series at the moment, and there's nothing more for me to say. I think it's been incredible the last few Sundays. You know, real great presentation from different angles. Um, You know, I'm a white boy, so I haven't got a huge amount to say in, in this area, but But what I am saying is if there's going to be a change in this nation, we have to have compassion on people. We have to start moving in compassion like we've never never done before. Jesus looked on the crowds, had compassion and healed. I mean, we need to get compassionate like we've never done before. How does that work? Well, if you haven't got that compassion, you need to start crying out to the God of compassion. And he'll give you compassion. And when you've got that compassion, that's when you start reaching out and influencing people's lives. John 4.35 says this, Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Look, we've got to get in the trenches, people. We've got to get eye to eye. We've got to get a bit of mud on our face and mud on our feet. If we're going to impact lives, you're going to have to get up close. It can't be from a distance. You know, when you're compassionate for someone, you're up close. This guy was binding the wounds. He's pouring the oil and the wine, right? He's disinfecting them. He's wrapping this guy up. And he took him and put him to a cool place to stay and paid for it. What a man. Can I encourage you as we finish today, have a think about this story. Have a think about where you sit on the road. You know, are you the robber? I hope you're not, but you could be. You know, I've had robbers in church. I've had things stolen in church before. That's cool. I, it's co- quite cool when you're a bit scared to leave your wallet on the seat sort of thing, you know. That to me is a good church because that's the type of people you want in church, right? So where are you? Are you the robber? Are you the guy traveling on the road? Are you on the right road? You know, are you the Levite? You know, are you the priest? Even worse, the angler? Or are you the Samaritan?